Wasn't that a wonderful time of worship today? Boy, howdy, were we blessed. That's how you know I'm from Alberta. I said, boy, howdy. Um, however, however, I've gone to three Wheat Kings games now. So that's very Manitobian. And we even cheered for them the last two games. It's because they weren't playing the Tigers. See, there's the problem, is when you spend 13 years in one community, you, you still like the Tigers, but you feel like, you feel like maybe it's time to start letting go of that, but then, anyway. If you have your Bibles today, why don't you get them out and get ready to go to the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, and we'll go there in just a moment. We've been, we've been through the book of Mark in chapter one this last while, and out of the synoptic gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, it has a big difference at the front end of it. Has anyone noticed what that is as we head into Advent? I'll make it easy for you. As we head into Advent, does anyone notice what that big difference is relating to, oh, say, a manger? It's non-existent. I'll help you. You guys all failed today. I think maybe just pray and we'll go home. But at the beginning of Mark, there's no, there's no manger. There's no angelic visitors, there's no shepherds, no anything. We just, we just dive right into, here's John the Baptist in the wilderness. And so we miss this whole beauty of talking about the advent of Christ, the first coming, the time when he came to earth. And so that's kind of one of these things that as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, people who want to understand how to be more like Jesus, we need to set aside these five weeks once a year and come back to the center and come back to what really matters. And it all starts with the advent of Christ. This is the time of year where Facebook haggles over, Mary, did you know? Did she know or didn't she know? I don't know if any of you have friends that like to fight that one out every year with that song. Mary, did you know? Anybody? Does anyone else have these friends or is it just me? I need new friends. All my friends fight about theology and stupid Christmas songs. Yes, I called that song stupid. But then, and then like Little Drummer Boy, we, this is also Little Drummer Boy season. And as a kid who grew up playing the drums, um, I can tell you that if you take drums near a newborn baby, the mother isn't happy. There's, there's, nobody's happy about what's about to happen. And a little drummer boy, he like, unless he's like a phenom, like he probably sounds like he's falling down the stairs carrying drums. So there's really, this song has holes in it. 
But Christmas season as a, in general, it has this pull on our hearts. You can, you can be going through the worst time ever, but once Christmas season begins, there is this, this pulling on our hearts, this pulling on our spirit, this pulling on our emotions where we, we feel that something needs to shift and we want to be a massive, massive part of it. We, we want to act better. We want to be nicer to people. We want to think the best of them. We want to smile more. And it's this drawing of the Christmas season. And over the years, we start to build on Christmas traditions. I asked a couple of days ago on Facebook. I got to be honest with Facebook. Um, I really don't like it. I wish I didn't work at a church for the simple reason that then I wouldn't need Facebook. But so many of you like to send me messages, and often they're useful. I want to read some of the, um, I'm sorry, I'm in a very sarcastic mood today. I will read some of the 50 comments I got on your Christmas traditions, um, both you and past congregations. Okay. Christmas crackers with the ridiculous paper hats. I suppose they're crowns. It's from the back of the room. Reading the Christmas story, watching Elf, uh, watching It's a Wonderful Life, and doing Christmas baking. Uh, banana and apple salad. Really? Anybody else? Banana and apple salad? Christmas tradition? <laughs> yeah. Really? It's a Surus thing, too. Okay. Anyone else on this? I've never had this. This doesn't sound okay. Okay, uh, from the birthday boy upstairs. It's Logan's birthday, by the way. He's running tech somewhere. Is he upstairs or down in here right now? He's upstairs. Happy birthday, Logan. Um, he's allowed to open one present on Christmas Eve. We were allowed to do that as kids. Uh, Jeanette, uh, making gingerbread houses. Pastor Brando, watching Elf. Mr. Waddell, Christmas story from Luke. He doesn't read the Christmas story from Mark, as we've all, all learned today. New Christmas PJs and board games. We started doing that one, uh, watching at least part of one of the Star Wars films and skating and snowboarding. I think we'll probably end up doing that too. That's the Kallenhoffens. We'll probably end up doing that too. Uh, Christmas Eve fondue from a friend in Windsor. Does anyone else do fondue on Christmas? That seems like a good one. That could be okay. Uh, Christmas baking, opening stockings on Christmas Eve. Who does stockings on Christmas Eve? I've heard this before. No, nobody here? I don't, I know, I'm sorry, I don't look up there very often. Hi, guys. Um... Mary Jane does yearly sugar cookie decorating. I've had her sugar cookies. They are something. Man, they're good. Oh, Michael Peters wants to start using other people's traditions. <laughs> Opening gifts on Christmas Eve from my cousin Kim. So that's a thing. Cinnamon buns seem to come up quite a bit. I'm sure this is intriguing for you. 
driving around looking at Christmas lights on Christmas Eve. Yep. Jeff just commented um, from the sound booth, uh, watching the Polar Express with the kids. Yeah, that's good. We, we did the Polar Express, the um, Aspen Crossing one in Alberta a couple years ago. It was fantastic. Had hot chocolate. Nobody danced with their hot chocolate, though. But we, we, we have these, these Christmas traditions. And growing up, I, I had some of my own. And I think the most important ones for me happened before I was seven years old. Those, are, those seem to be the ones that really stick in my memory and were really significant. I can remember my dad coming home. This is obviously a really long time ago because he was still playing hockey. I, I remember sitting in front of the, the fireplace and I was up way past my bedtime, and uh, him coming home from hockey and, uh, and making hot chocolate for, for me and mom. And I remember the tree and all the presents under it. And, and like, it's not really a Christmas memory, but it was impactful. Other things we, we did as kids mostly revolved around time mostly revolved around significant moments. Like, sure, there's those odd memories of presents. I think the most, uh, the one present, I don't know why this sticks out in my head. The one present I remember out of 42 years of Christmas presents um, was when I was, I, probably, I would say, six years old. Does anyone remember the show Chips? with Frank Poncherello and John Baker. You can answer. It's okay. I got a Chips playset. And so for those of you who are uneducated, Chips was a, a TV show with two motorcycle cops in uh, California, and it was super cool. But that's, that's like the one present that sticks out in my brain out of 42 years of presents. So when we think that the presents we give are, are the most important part of Christmas, um, I beg to differ. It was the time that mattered most. And then when we got married, so Amberly and I started making our own Christmas traditions, and there was kind of a mashup of both sides of the family. And so now we've got these traditions that we do. So every, every night of the Advent season, we have this Advent house little wooden thing, and there's a door on it for every day. And we pull out the scripture, and we read the scripture, and then they hang it on this, this like, white tree thing that was supposed to light up, but it never did. And, but it, it's, it's part of what it, it will never replace it, because it's tradition now. So you hang the little ornament on there, and then everyone has, a, like, a little Hershey's kiss or whatever from behind the door. And so we do that. And several times through the Advent season, we'll drive around and look at lights. It's just what you do. You, you drive around and you look at other people's Christmas lights. And you compare them to your own. Ours are crooked, and I think two of the six candy canes have already fallen down. The snow is supposed to hold them up. Another thing we do is we always make sure we're at a, at a Christmas Eve service. And it has to be candlelit. It has to be a candlelit service. It's not official until there's potential of fire. We, 
after that service, we'll always have people over for an M&M party platter, the, the Oriental party platter. And, uh, and it's usually people who are just kind of hanging around church after the Christmas Eve service who don't have anywhere else to go. And it's so much more fun that way because then you make new friends. And then while you're at church, the, this, is, this is all my wife, this part. The elves break into your home and put new pajamas under your pillow. I don't know why we want to instill in our children that breaking and entering is okay on Christmas Eve, but we do. But it's, the, it's that moment in all of these traditions that ties it together for us is when we're driving around and we're looking at Christmas lights. And it's always the most important part is when you find a beautiful nativity. You find a beautiful nativity. My wife has a little collection of nativities. And there's just something special about the nativity that pulls on your heart. It, it calls you. It says, what was it really like? Because this, the, the reimagined one that we have now through all of our cultural filters, it, it can't be real. We even have a, for when the kids were little, we have a, a Fisher-Price nativity set. There's no way that that is historically or culturally accurate. But yet we put it out every year. Even though we're missing Mary. Mary last year was a Lego character. But do you ever wonder what it was really like? Do you, do you, ever, do you ever look at a nativity and, and think about like, well, what? What was the atmosphere like? What, what, what did it smell like? Who was really there? And what did they look like? What did they talk like? What was, was, were tensions high? Were tensions low? Was everyone calm? The song says no crying he makes. Doubt it. But even bigger than that, think about what, what was the atmosphere, the, the, like the global atmosphere God came to earth. What was the global atmosphere like? What shifted? What changed? What did we miss? For so few people to have picked up on the fact that God just came to earth. Clearly we missed something along the way. Father God has worked very, very hard to pull on us, to call us into that nativity story. I want you to go with me to the book of Isaiah now. This will be from the New Living Translation, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This should ring a bell for everyone. We, we actually sung part of it today. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule the fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. 
this is a big Christmas scripture. But as we know, scripture always has layers. And there's always some digging to do and some looking to do behind the scenes. And this is the stuff that I love and really enjoy. And so we talked about the prophet Isaiah in the Mark series near the very beginning. And we talked about how there's, there's two things that are often happening, sometimes simultaneously, sometimes one or the other. And that is the, the foretelling and the foretelling of what's about to happen. So sometimes the prophets are saying something that's happening in the near future, or maybe they're interpreting the times as it's happening and unfolding. And then other times they're, they're looking way into the future and saying, this is going to happen. And then sometimes we have this other term. It's called already not yet. And it's the easiest way to explain when both collide and both are happening at the same time. So Isaiah, as he's looking at his original audience, he's, he's pulling on these concepts of Judean royalty. And so he's saying there's a coming king. And so for a lot of people who are watching what Isaiah was saying and looking around at this time, they're like, okay, yes, Hezekiah is going to be the king of Judah, and this will be good. And he pulls on these other terms, and he says, um, it's a child who's going to be born. And the understanding in, in Judean culture at the time was, well, yes, when, you're, when you become king, you are reborn into, into God's royalty. And he uses other Egyptian metaphors and, and symbolism in here. And I think maybe for some people at the time, they would be looking at what he was saying and being like, okay, I think you're getting maybe a little carried away because it's just a king of Judah. Like we get he's God's man and all this, but it seems to be a lot of weight behind what you're saying. And then all these years later, Jesus appears. And these ancient words transcend multiple languages of translation and once again, they're incredibly powerful because they're predicting something that is just unfolded once again. But again, this is something even more powerful, and it steps up. And I love during Advent readings how the, when these are put together by the liturgical church, it isn't just Christmas scriptures. It is scriptures that, that overarch all of Christianity. And we, so we have the the what was, we have the when Jesus came. And I love that we also incorporate the second advent, the thing that we look forward to, the second coming of Christ. And it all kind of pulls in together. And then today, as we stand here, we look at Isaiah's scriptures and we say, okay, so there was something that happened for the original audience. There was something that happened in Jesus' day. But what about us? When we look at this, we say, what about us? Because right now, it feels like we need our king more than ever. Right now in our hearts, right now in our society, right now in our country, we need Jesus. And we say and we pray and we declare, come Lord Jesus. And this, I think, when it really starts to come together, the understanding of what uh, Martin Luther said, that scripture is the cradle that holds Christ. So Advent is this five weeks we get, five weeks to focus on Jesus. 
But what it really does for me is it shows me how much more I really need Jesus. I need the Prince of Peace in every aspect of my life. It's not good enough for me to show up on Sunday and have a, a nice little teaching and, and a sermon or, or lead a Bible study or lead a group and, and just kind of point people in the right direction. For me in my life, for me in my Advent season, I need Jesus more than ever. We have Christmas season in Canada. And we just had Black Friday, and I successfully bought nothing. And I was very proud of myself. I didn't even leave the house. I'm a hero. But there's this, this something that happens during Christmas season where what should be the most peaceful time somehow becomes stressful. The happiest time on earth is filled all of a sudden with anxiety, with stress, with gifts, with the understanding that you need to perform and achieve. Our Decembers get far too busy. Do you remember before COVID, like Christmas parties? Oh my goodness. That's enough to wear you out right there, even just saying it. Christmas parties. And the, the hyper consumerism. And, and if you're married, you, you've got to make decisions on whose house are you spending Christmas at? Whose house are you going to for Christmas Eve? Are you traveling? Who's going to be disappointed? And for the house you're not going to, are you going to get them the same gift or do you get them a better gift so that they're not angry? Come on. It's true. It's like we all live out these little pieces of the Griswold family Christmas. And often I look back at the end of the season and I wonder, what was I trying to achieve? What did I want to force to happen during Christmas that caused this lack of peace and just introduced tension? What, was, what did I really want to achieve? What did, what did I want to make happen? Remember the first time Jesus came, society, culture, planet Earth nearly missed it. You had a couple of scared shepherds who figured it out and a handful of fortune tellers who showed up at the manger. Meanwhile, the angels in heaven are absolutely losing it with excitement. Glory in the highest. And here on planet Earth, we're, we're like, oh, I don't know, I'll give it a 3 out of 10. It's all right. Wasn't, wasn't really what we were looking for. Not, not exactly the type of king I need. I need the type of king who's going to 
get in here and really make a stand. I don't, I don't need a baby. So if God's going to come, he, I'd, I'd rather be more like a Hercules Zeus type of a moment, less of a baby Jesus type of a moment. This is where the Advent conspiracy comes into play. So Pastor Nikki and I, we've been rolling around with this, this topic and this teaching for a while. And so we, we've kind of come to this conclusion. What if the stress and anxiety and tension could be replaced with a better gift? What if it could be replaced with peace from the Prince of Peace this season? What if we create a new tradition where we don't get caught up in things that we don't need to be caught up in, where we don't put ourselves into debt for no reason, where we don't, we don't spend and spend and spend and stress and stress and stress, but instead we take a step back and we relax and we say, this is about you, Jesus. This isn't about us. What if we choose the hope of Isaiah and the shepherds and join them through the centuries in welcoming Jesus? Welcoming Jesus into our Advent. Welcoming Jesus into our homes. We're not saying don't give people presents. We're just saying give them peace. More so. It's like we've been in COVID for, I don't know, we're rolling into two years, aren't we? And at first, everyone talked about how much less stress they have because everything was canceled. And it feels like we're dialing up that stress level again in society. It feels like we're just kind of churning up the notch. It's like the guitar amp can go to 10, but we need 11. I feel sometimes like that was, that was maybe the course we took on how to be better people, and now we're sitting in the exam, and we're not doing so good. We're like five questions in on 10, and so far we're failing. But what if we do take a hard correct this Christmas? What if we go a little more minimal, especially in our hearts? What if we prioritize peace? For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. If it never ends, then that means it's available. If it's not present, then that means we did something to push it out. So over the next four weeks after today, we've got, we've got four teachings that we'll be walking through as a team on this year, how to worship fully, how to spend less, how to give more, and how to love all. The book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45 it says, 
for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Everything Jesus did was the opposite of what structure said it should be. The religious system says you need to be like this. This is what we need. Societal structure said this is what we need. And Jesus was down here saying, no, I came to serve. I didn't come to do what you expected me to do. I didn't come to serve your culture. I came to serve humanity. The more we magnify Christ, the less we think of ourselves. Would you guys stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you before I, I pass this off. Father God, I thank you for everyone here this morning. And Lord, we just say, welcome, Prince of Peace. Jesus, we say, welcome, Prince of Peace. Would your spirit speak to our hearts? God, would you help us? We need your help more than ever. We need your help today because we can't do this alone. Father, would you flood us with peace? You are not the prince of anxiety, the prince of stress. You are not the prince of opinion. You are the prince of peace. So Holy Spirit, would you flood this room with your peace today? For everyone watching at home, would you flood their living room with your peace today? Father, we need your peace. And as we declare Christ be magnified, would you take this as our prayer, Lord Jesus? Would you be magnified today? Less of us, more of you. Would you be magnified today, Lord Jesus?